Hello, everyone. Welcome back to another episode of Running Through My Veins podcast. This is the 13th episode, and I am still new to interviewing people and doing podcasting. So I always feel like I'm not doing a great job. Um, I always have some self-doubt, and that's on me. Uh, I had some doubt on whether or not I should release this episode, not because of my guest, but mostly because of me, because I felt like I didn't do a very good job as an interviewer. But on Easter Sunday, um, my pastor, Pastor Scott, uh delivered a message. And in that message, you know, our purpose in life and the purpose of this podcast and the mission of this podcast is to spread and advance God's kingdom. And in that, in that message on Easter Sunday, he shared that no matter how you do it, that it shouldn't matter how you do it. If you can spread God's word, you're spreading God's word. Um, It doesn't matter if you're using a lot of words or you're using little words. You just have to do it. So that gave me some reassurance to put out this episode. Um, I probably was going to anyway, but just to give some notes and some feedback behind it, I felt like I didn't do the greatest job myself. Erica, my guest, did an excellent job answering my questions and carrying the conversation. So thank you very much, Erica, for doing that, Um, just carrying the conversation where I couldn't. So without further ado, here is Erica Goody. She is a blogger. Um, She's on Instagram. You can find her at Living a Goody Life. Um, She is sharing wit um, while finding her faith. So please go check her out on Instagram. Um, she also has a website, livingagoodylife.org. So I encourage you all to check her out. And without further ado, here is Erica Goody. I welcome you, Erica, to Running Through My Veins podcast. Um, you're my 12th, no, be 14th episode. I can't remember. I'm. It's still freshly new to me to do this, so... Um, but it's always fun to have people on such as yourself to, you know, just talk about faith, um, talk about, you know, what it is means to be a Christian and how we can find our purpose through God. Um, and I had messaged you on Instagram because Caitlin Vanderscaff recommended you and, you know, you graciously agreed to come on here. So I appreciate you being able to take some time out of your day to, to talk to me. Yeah, thanks so much for having me. This is yeah. great. Um, so before we get really going in the interview part of it, uh, I do what's called blood flow questions just to get our brains going. And so we can, it's just fun, just quick off the top questions. So what is your favorite book? Oh, am I supposed to say the Bible? I'm just kidding. <laughs> Um, my favorite book, gosh, I, you know what? I don't know that I, like, I don't ever reread books. Okay. Is that, is that weird? I don't know. I love, I love anything good nonfiction while like I, I, yeah, anything in that, um, 
I love reading about people's lives who are different than me. And so anything nonfiction where I can dig into somebody, um, believe it or not, my, I think probably my most recent favorite has been Reed Drummond, the pioneer woman, uh, has written a couple not cookbooks and I really enjoyed those. If you could go back to any time period in history, where would you go? The sixties. I'd be I'd be like I would be Elizabeth Montgomery on Bewitched as Samantha Stevens. I am not familiar <laughs> with the show. What? No. Well, it's from the, it's a show from the sixties. Okay. And uh when I was growing up in the eighties and nineties, my I thought it was a current show, but it was just that my dad kept, you know, naked night on all the yep. time. And uh I thought that was a current show and it wasn't, but I I love the women of those eras and the one and the women who had voices in an era where women were just starting to get their voice. Sure. Yep. Uh, what is your favorite Bible verse? Mm, Proverbs thirty one twenty five, which is uh, every it gets called out a lot, but I don't like it for the the first half where. Uh, it gets called out. It's, she is clothed in strength and dignity. She laughs without fear of the future. And I think uh, she is clothed in strength and dignity, gets slapped on every mug and t-shirt you can see, but it's mm-hmm. the second part that gets me. It's the, that she laughs without fear of the future. Because mm-hmm. I think, um, I think me personally, I'm a planner by nature and planning is a coping mechanism for me of fear and mm-hmm. trying to uh, control the future. If I plan it out, then everything's going to go exactly how I want it to go. Mm-hmm. And that's unfortunately not how it works. And so the idea of laughing without fear of the future sounds really delightful to me. That's, I, I have a daughter, so that's always comforting to hear too, that, that I always, you know, you always see that verse slapped on, yeah, on a mug or mm-hmm. on a plaque or somewhere, but that second part, that that resonates with me just having a daughter growing up. So, mm-hmm. so as we get into this interview, uh, yeah, Caitlin recommended me to contact you and I did. And then I kind of read your blog, mm-hmm. all three parts of how you grew up. Um, and I encourage everyone that listens to this to go check that out too. Um, I'll have the link in the podcast as well, but could you give us a little just background on, you know, your childhood growing up, up until now of where you were at in the church, um, just growing up as a child in your childhood. Yeah, we, uh, I grew up in a, in a Catholic upbringing family, which I'm from originally, I live in Idaho now, but I'm from Chicago um, all my life up until recently. And that like Chicago is just a very heavy Catholic area, nothing wrong with the Catholic church, but it was not uncommon to be Catholic in the, in the Chicago area. And that was um, part of our family. And we were a church on Sunday family. And I was, a, if you know, the, the lingo, a CCD kid, which meant um, I was a public school kid, but I went to church classes on Saturday morning. And then I would go to church on Sunday morning. And so I did that um, every week for many, many, many years of my childhood and um, learned a lot. There's a lot of different sacraments of uh, Catholicism. I did all of those. Um, 
for lack of a better term, I checked all the boxes. Mm -hmm. And uh, when I left for college, I left it all at home. It, it was not something that um, I went through. I felt like I looked back and I went through all the motions and I did everything that I was supposed to be doing or should be doing. And it wasn't, I, I never felt a, this clear, solid relationship with God or the Holy Spirit or Jesus. It, it wasn't anything that I ever built a relationship with. It was just um, for me, something on paper and steps that you did um, through the church. And, and I don't, and I don't think everybody had that experience. I'm not here to put down anybody's yep. church, um, especially the one that my family, you know, was so important to. And it was just for me, it didn't stick and I didn't build a relationship that was something I was going to carry into college with me. And so I went to college and, and I stopped going to church. I stopped believing in God. I stopped everything. And it just wasn't for me again, because I never had anything rooted in anything more than kind of just checking all the boxes that I had checked growing up. And um, so that left me in college and, um, and I didn't miss it in college. It wasn't something I seeked in college. It wasn't something I was confused about. It was just gone, um, for lack of a better term. And so it wasn't until I kind of came into my adulthood after college, I met my husband and I started kind of exploring this idea that um, other people were having like relationships with God. And I never heard that term. Like, I don't think that was necessarily something I was taught or if I was taught, it didn't sink into me um, to have a relationship with God. And, and just started, I started asking a lot of questions and I started kind of diving into a lot of that. Part of it was that we were going to have a baby. We were going to have a first baby. And I did not know, like, I felt so confused in my own faith and I felt like I had to do right by my child that like, yep. even if I didn't know what I believe, like I didn't want to pass along confusion. I wanted to at least give her something. Um, and my husband was very solid in his faith and his beliefs. And I kind of felt like always the odd man out. Like, why did everybody else get it? And I didn't get it. Um, and so it really just started a journey a long, long journey of exploration and figuring it out and, and kind of that whole process. Was it kind of strange? Um, you said your husband had a strong faith. Was it strange um, going into a relationship and not, and being like opposite of your partner? Uh, like mm -hmm. I grew, I grew up and my wife and I both, you know, shared a strong faith Mm -hmm. uh, and that's just how we grew up. But was it, did, was, did that put a strain on your relationship a little bit from him being, having a strong rooted faith and you just try, still trying to figure it out? I think he, though he didn't doubt his beliefs like I did, he maybe wasn't, he wasn't, we both acted like the kid. Can I put it that way? <laughs> And so while he can question his beliefs, maybe his life wasn't necessarily being lived in the way that he's sure. living it today. Yep. Um, and more importantly is like, he, he had a boatload of for me and like where I never disagreed with him. I just was always very upfront that I was just confused and mm -hmm. 
like, I just had, a, I had a lot to learn and I had a lot to figure out and he had a lot of grace for, for that. And he was never pushy and he was never condemning and he just let me go at my own speed. And, um, I look back and I didn't appreciate it at the time because I was in such a cloud that mm-hmm. I look back on it and I really appreciate, I think, had it been anybody else, had it been somebody with a pushy opinion, had it been somebody, um, with their own agenda, I think it w- would have looked differently. Sure. You said that having your, your child, was it your daughter? Was it your daughter mm-hmm. that, yeah. um, did you have something before that, that kind of spoke to you like, Hey, I need to, I need to maybe seek God again. Or was there something, cause you said you were away from it for a long time. Was there some, another life yeah. event or something else that happened that, Oh, maybe I should, you know, really check myself and, and pursue this again. Yeah. So it was, it's actually a, uh, a sad, sad story. It was the, the passing actually of my, my grandmother and mm-hmm. what had, um, and if you read the blog, you'll read the whole story in detail. But um, what had happened was my whole family was um, very Catholic. And if you're familiar with that, there's a lot of um, different prayers that are kind of really specific to the Catholic church. And I had known all of those. I wasn't in a place really where those meant much to me anymore. Um, but my grandmother, she was a devout Catholic um, and I respected her for that, you know, and I knew that she, that was very important to her. Mm. And on the night of her passing, I um, had gone to pray for her. I didn't know if anybody was going to pray for her. I didn't know if, I, I, I wasn't aware that anybody had or would pray for her. So I, my assumption was that um, they weren't. I don't actually think in learning what happened from other members of my family since then. That's not actually what happened, but what in my mind in the moment was nobody was going to pray for her. And I was not a prayer at the time. Um, I just, I struggled with the idea of prayer being like, I did not understand, like, it didn't make sense that God could hear everybody's prayers. And that was something I had always struggled with through childhood. And I had carried that into my adulthood. And so, um, prayer always felt uncomfortable to me because it, it felt fruitless, mm-hmm. um, which I know now today sitting here is not the case. But at that time, it wasn't a thing I did because I, it didn't make logical sense to me. You know, we like to logic God sometimes, yep. right? Yep. Yep. <laughs> and and so, um, so I wanted to make sure somebody was going to pray for my grandma, even though it was not an important thing to me. I knew it would be an, important to her. And so um, I went over to see her in the hospital the um, one night by myself, completely by myself, no husband or child or parents with me. And, and I just sat down next to her and I said, and I was pretty sure that was going to be the last time I saw her based on where she was. And I sat down next to her and I said, you know, hi, grandma. I made some small talk. She was not, um, she was not conscious. She looked very peaceful. She was um, either sleeping or just not you know, not mm-hmm. there. Um, so I don't know if she heard me, but, um, but I sat down next door. I made one-sided small talk with her. And then I prayed, um, if you're familiar, like the, our father and yep. the, the hail Mary over her. Mm-hmm. And I did that out loud so that if she could hear me, she could hear me. And, you know, I said goodbye to her, assuming that was going to be the last time I saw her. And I left. And that was a really hard situation. Um, again, the, the praying was for her 
because at that point it, it wasn't necessarily for me, mm-hmm. um, but I wanted her to have that. And so I left that room and walked out into the parking lot and sat in my car. And in that moment, for the first time, I prayed like I had never prayed before in my life. And it wasn't a memorized prayer. It was a really honest, tearful, snotty uh, talk (laughs) with God. And um, it was just, it was me saying everything that God already knew about her and me just begging him to take her and um, letting it be her time. And it was just this really raw um, talk that I had that I had never prayed like that before because I didn't think that was a thing. And um, so I had done that. Um, I started up my car and I started driving back towards towards my house by myself again. And I had stopped at the, the grocery store. And um, as I was leaving the grocery store with what I had to get, my mom called and she said, did you see grandma tonight? And I said, yeah, I saw grandma tonight. Um, I said goodbye to her. And she was like, was she alive when you were here? <laughs> and, and it's, it's, it felt like a silly question. Like, yes, mom, I know what an alive person looks like. I said, mm-hmm. yes, yes. She was alive when I saw her. She goes, oh, well, we just got here and she had passed, she's mm-hmm. passed away. And sometimes, sometime between the time you were there and the time we just got here, the nurses haven't even been in here in the past half hour and, and she's gone. Mm-hmm. And, 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 you know, and then she quickly, you know, I have to go to the nurses. We have to figure this out. Um, I'll talk to you later. And it was in that moment that like, I suddenly had this idea that like, maybe God could hear me. Maybe mm-hmm. this assumption that I had had my entire life was not accurate. Maybe, maybe God did hear my prayers. Mm-hmm. Um, and it was really a turning point of really rocking what I thought my beliefs were. My beliefs of like, God can't hear me. Um, God doesn't have time to listen to everybody. Um, my prayers are not as important as other people's prayers, all these assumptions and, um, real like lies that I had Mm -hmm. just told, told myself and had assumed all my life, um, were, um, were rocked, right? Like, like now all of a sudden I thought, well, maybe those things aren't true. Maybe God does hear me. And if God hears me, maybe God hears everybody. And I don't know how that makes sense because that's not logical. And it started this path of just so many more questions than I had before. And this um, really deep desire to like figure it out. Like I, I didn't know how to figure it out. And I didn't, um, I wasn't, I wasn't even, I hadn't been as open to figuring it out mm-hmm. until that moment. And at that moment, it was a uh, like, holy cow, I got to, I got to wrap my arms around this and I got to figure this out. And I got to, I got to put a stake in the sand and I have to know what I believe or what I don't believe because everything I thought I believed might not be true. Sure. So are you still Catholic now or what? Say I, I don't go to a Catholic church. I sometimes do for holidays with my family. I don't have anything, you know, just because it wasn't for me doesn't mean it's wrong or bad. Um, and I still go there during holidays. And if somebody invites me by all means, um, I think you can have a really great faith, um, at the Catholic church. I have mm-hmm. plenty of friends who do. Um, I, I just consider myself a free agent now. Sure. <laughs> I'm a free agent yeah. for God, wherever, wherever you, know, you send me, I'll go. <laughs> yeah. I have a whole bunch of family that's Catholic. Um, mm-hmm. 
So it it's interesting because all my cousins on my dad's side, um, my dad's brother married into a Catholic family. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, and then I didn't realize it until my great grandma's funeral uh, about nine years ago. I didn't realize that she was Catholic. Like, oh. That was never something that until her funeral, I'm like, oh, okay, my great grandma's Catholic. So it's I've I've been to plenty of Catholic weddings, but and then yeah, my grandma's funeral. But yeah, I grew up in what's called the RCA Reformed Church of America. Okay. That's my denomination that I that I've gone to. So it's pretty much um yeah, if you see a standard like church service, you know, they have a hymns and and then we have a praise team and then mm-hmm. yeah, the standard service. Um so what did you do? I know what you did, but I'm for my, for the very few listeners I probably have, um, what did you do for, as a job, um, for a living for a while? Cause I know that you're in corporate world and then you kind of left that. So, um, for the first 10 years, almost out of college, I, I was, and I am a CPA. I, um, worked at a fortune 20, drugstore company. I worked at their corporate headquarters and I was in corporate finance there and had a, had a, had a big job, (laughs) a big corporate finance job that, uh, that, uh, took a lot of time and effort. Did you, and then you left that. So now you're doing your stay at home, your stay at home mom. Mostly. Mostly. And blog (laughs) and you have your own podcast correct? I do not have a podcast. You don't, you don't no. have a podcast. You've just been on many podcasts. I have been on a few okay. podcasts. Yeah. So uh, did you not feel fulfilled at that corporate job or what made you kind of leave? Yeah. Um, I, I actually felt very fulfilled. I, it was a job I really liked. Um, it was work I really liked. It was a good company. I was able to have my um, kids on site with me. My kids mm. came to work with me every day. I dropped them off at uh, daycare and then I walked across the parking lot and went to my job and I saw them at lunch and picked them up afterwards and went home and made dinner. Um, and that was actually like when I tell other moms and dads that um, it's a re- it was a really good situation. Uh, what you know, and we love to, as women, I don't know if men do this too, but women love to look at other women and be like, well, she does it all mm-hmm. and look at her. And we love to throw around the term like superwoman and, and wonder woman and they're women getting all these things done. <laughs> and the truth is like, nobody's, nobody's doing everything well. Nobody's, n- nobody's getting 110% and feeling like it's only 70%. This is mm-hmm. so easy. And it's a lot of, it was a lot of um, stress and a lot of dragging my kids in and out of the car and rushing them because mommy had a meeting. And um, it was just, it was not, after a while, it was not a lifestyle that seemed right. Like mm-hmm. I looked at it and I thought, I'm not, I'm not sure this is right for our family, that me and my husband both have really big jobs and, um, we feel like we're dragging our kids behind us to get these really big jobs done. Mm-hmm. And, um, while big salaries and big corner offices feel really nice, uh, we just felt like we didn't necessarily, a we didn't 
we didn't need all the money that we were getting because we were living a very, uh, we were trying to live well below our means and um, we were exceeding in that. But it was, it was just this like feeling of, I don't, I don't think this is how it's supposed to be. I don't think this is what we want for our kids. Um, and I was always very big on um, seeing my kids more than daycare was seeing my kids. Mm-hmm. And that's really hard to do in corporate America. Um, and so there were seasons in that where I went back to a 32 hour week and I took a pay cut. And even that just felt like I wasn't, my focus wasn't where it should have been. And so it took a lot of, it took a lot of, um, soul searching and, and kind of thinking through where I thought my worth was and where I thought my value was, but where it actually resided. And, Mm -hmm. um, and then getting, and then eventually coming to the conclusion to just to leave that job. And our family took a 50% pay cut at that point, because my husband and I were equal earners. Um, and, and I came home to be a stay-at-home mom and I made peanut butter jelly and I stood at the bus stop and it was awesome. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, I think there's a lot of people who say, oh, it, it's a hard, it's a really hard job being a stay-at-home mom. That must be really hard. And I want to say respectfully, it was not as hard as what I was doing before. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Why do you think that so many Christians today have a hard time finding their purpose. Um, like, you know, we're called to advance God's kingdom, but mm-hmm. why do you think, like I struggled for the longest time and I, I've gone through seasons where I've just coming out of a, a very low season in my life, but I struggled. How do I want to put it? Like, and I've said it in another podcast, but I've struggled just knowing what to do, you know, mm-hmm. as I'm, this next week I'm turning 30. So I'm having these questions again, pop up in yeah. my head. Like, am I doing everything that I want to be doing? And not so it's just like me wanted to do, but am I doing everything that God's calling me to do? Mm-hmm. And, you know, I've wrestled with that. And sometimes it's very hard for me personally too, just to sit down and listen to what God wants me to do. And then sometimes he gives me a direction. And I'd say, no, I don't want to do that. And I think a lot of younger people and more so people my age that just have struggled, like there's got to be more to life than what I'm doing. And it seems like I've heard a lot of Christians say that, like, why? I just don't know what to do. Like, I don't know what my purpose is and how do you, have you struggled with that? Do you, have you helped people through that? Um, yeah, just your thoughts on that. Yeah, so I think you I think you hit it on the head in the first sentence that you started talking is that we're called to advance God's kingdom, mm-hmm. um, period. And I think sometimes as humans, we are really good at overcomplicating that. Mm-hmm. And we're really good at making our own boxes to check so that God is pleased with us. Mm-hmm. But the truth is like, God is pleased with us, period. On day day one, like we've already been given an undeserved gift mm-hmm. and he is pleased with us. And so I think you can advance God's kingdom, um, whether it is you're a truck driver or a teacher or a stay-at-home mom 
or a CEO of a multi-billion dollar company, I think no matter where God has placed your skills and if you go in a direction that you feel is worthy of what he's equipped you to do, I think we are capable of doing it. And I also think we tend to be extremely hard on ourselves. I think there's also some personalities that we really get down on ourselves to, mm -hmm. to think I'm not doing enough. Mm -hmm. I'm not, I need to do more. Um, and that is something that I've personally struggled with of like, I have to do more. Does God want me home? Does God want me in a corporate job? Um, sure. I think God can be pleased with me no matter which direction I go. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And it's, it's crazy on how, like social media has taken all that too. And everybody shows the good side of, you know, what they're doing in their life or they have this pretty picture of I've got it all figured out. And when in reality it's just be hiding behind a mirror and nobody has it figured out, no. which and is, it's, yeah, which is crazy in the day and age that we live in too, that we have to put up so such these smoke and mirrors so we look, make ourselves look good in other people's eyes because mm -hmm. we need to feel like we're doing enough yep yeah i i agree with you i think it's a dangerous it's a dangerous game on social media and just looking at the joneses next door or, yeah you know you likely know just a fraction of everybody you know mm -hmm. i find it i find it really interesting too and i've touched on this on I forget which one I did, but um, how we as Christian, I think it was when I talked to Caitlin last, as we as Christians like bicker about different items within being in the Christianity scene, you know, mm -hmm. um, you know, whether it be how someone conducts baptism or, or how, you know, do you talk to God this way or talk to God that way? Or do you believe in mm -hmm. Jesus and all that kind of stuff? Um, yeah. Do, do you see that too? Um, where you're at, like just people doing that kind of stuff. I think everybody thinks they're doing it the right way, right? Yeah. <laughs> everybody yeah. thinks their way is best and your way is wrong also. Mm -hmm. <laughs> um, no, I, I see that and I feel that and it drives me bonkers because um, I don't think there's just one way and I don't think there's, um, I don't know, just, you know, I don't know. I think we spend a lot of time spinning our wheels and fighting about things that aren't glorifying God. Mm -hmm. If we're sitting here and arguing how we're doing a baptism, for example, yep. um, I, I'm not sure that argument is glorifying God. And I think that you can probably spend those minutes doing something that advances the kingdom. Mm -hmm. That's not an argument. The, when I, when I first messaged you on Instagram, and I've been doing this with a lot of people and I was shocked, you know, that to get a response back. So thank you for doing that. Um, yeah. I kind of explained my low period uh, just to get my foot in the door per se, but um, you touched on something in that where you encourage me because a lot of men um, have a hard time expressing that 
um, they're going through something difficult. You know, we like mm-hmm. to be strong for our families. We like to show everybody that we're, you know, these tough guys that can get through anything. Um, why do you think we as husbands, we as men, um, just tend to slough it off? I think it's the most dangerous thing that as, as a guy to do when we go through something rough. Um, do you find that hard to cope as a wife too with, when your husband is struggling? Yeah, I, I, I'm, I'll be honest. I'm in a season where I'm just seeing a lot of husbands and a lot of wives silently and secretly struggling. Um, especially where it has to do with husband mental health. Um, Husbands in their 30s and husbands in their 40s. I've lost friends in the past two years uh, to suicide. I've seen marriages fall apart. I've seen marriages almost fall apart. And I think it's, I personally think it's a silent epidemic that is happening. And I know you know, in the 90s, we would have called it a midlife crisis and we would have all laughed about the secretary that he left with or something like that. Mm-hmm. And and seeing it now um, in my own 30s, it's, it's, na- it's not laughing. I would not call it a midlife crisis. I would mm-hmm. call it a mental health epidemic that nobody wants to talk about. And yes, I think... Um, I mean, I shouldn't be the one answering this. You should be the one <laughs> answering this, son. But I, I think... I think men think that they're broken. I think when something doesn't feel right, I think just like moms in corporate America get in the comparison trap of, well, she's doing it all. I should be able to do it too. Mm -hmm. I think the same struggle falls on husbands in a different way. Well, well, if I'm dealing with anxiety, I must be broken because I don't see anybody else dealing with anxiety. So I must be the broken one. Something's wrong with me. Nobody could help me because nobody else deals with this. Why would I even talk about it? Um, and I think, and I think that's just not the case. I, 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 from what I know of, of friends, I, I just know that that's not true. So I have more female listeners, which is really odd. Um, (laughs) actually probably because a lot of Caitlin's followers, um, have listened to her episodes. So I get more as I look at the statistics for my podcast, I'd see that I have more female followers, which is fine. You know, I'm, I'm an equal opportunity podcaster. So, um, what can you say to, uh, the wives that have a -hmm. husband that's struggling in the, and mentally, um, I know my wife has, you know, struggled trying to figure out how to support me, you know, and Mm -hmm. she has shown me a lot of love which I think is probably the answer that you're going to give me, but loving your husband, um, just knowing that you're there for them. But is there anything else that you could say to a a wife that has a husband that's struggling in the mental area? Cause yeah, it's, it feels as, as a husband that has gone through it, it feels really like you're alone and you're really battling in this headspace. Um, just in your mind, you know, there's a lot of destructive talk in, in my head of, you know, that I'm not, I'm worthless, whatever. I'm not doing anything to help my family. So big old rabbit hole that I went down, but Mm -hmm. as, as a wife, what can you say to other wives that are having a husband that goes through something like that? 
Yeah, I'm, I am definitely not, not an expert in this arena and not even been, um, you know, dealing with some situations that I know a lot of women out there are dealing with, but I have seen wives, I have seen amazing wives just stand by their husbands, even when it feels really bad to the wife. Um, and I've just seen them be supportive, uh, look for help with them, mm -hmm. um, and just stand a firm line when it's important to stand a firm line and just come alongside when it's important to come alongside. And I think there's no right answer for every situation. Um, but, and then also getting help for themselves, wives. Mm -hmm. I think when you are the supporter of somebody, and I think in a lot of cases, husbands will only talk to their wives if, if they would. I think there are cases where husbands, men in general, don't want to talk to therapists. They don't want to talk to doctors. Um, they just don't. But you might be the only person that they talk to. And that's a really heavy, heavy burden to carry when you're the only person who might know about something. And so I would encourage them if I think, not to be stereotypical, but I think that women tend to be more open to talking with somebody than um than men do. And I think there is nothing wrong to uh, talk as a wife talking to a therapist about what you're going through as you're supporting your husband going through, through something. Uh, I it's actually, important for you to stay strong. Yeah. I actually have the opposite. I, in my head, I don't like always pouring onto my wife. So I, I, because mm. I feel like if I pour onto her, I'm going to have all my shame that I feel. And I'm going to be very, feel very shameful, mm. you know, pouring onto my wife. And I don't want to add more burdens to her. Mm. So then I just internalize it. Or I talk to one of my good friends or uh before this dark period that I went through this past year, I did a lot of journaling because that's where I found my outlet mm -hmm. and I haven't done it again recently, but I'm trying to start. I'm still trying to figure everything out yet from what I've all gone through, but that's how I deal. Um, now, <sighs> sorry, brain, okay. my brain fog. I that's just had okay. a thought and then, um, do you, because your your blog, talk about your blog a little bit, because I, I feel like I, a lot of women would benefit just reading yours. I It's very um, uplifting to see, uh, as I read it, you know, your story, and then you you update it every day, every other day. How does that, how does, I'm not, I've never been in the blogging world, so I don't know how that all works. <laughs> That's a, so I'm pretty active on social media daily, but you probably get a new blog post every week to every other week. Um, and it's not a, it's not necessarily a faith blog. I definitely talk sure. about faith. Yep. Uh, it's really a, people have told me it's a stream of consciousness, <laughs> um, which I think is pretty accurate. I started it when we made the move from, um, we moved from Chicago to rural Idaho. And that was a really big change for us. And I, start, I started the blog kind of because of that. 
and to talk about why we made that move and and what we were looking for to go from such a populated area to mm-hmm. such a truly desolate area. Um, and and now it's really just, I talk about faith when, when it's in my stream of consciousness to talk mm-hmm. about it. And then sometimes I just talk about fitting into a new town where I am actually very different than a lot of people. And it's hard sure. to fit into a new town and, and, and be different. I, um, you know, one of the, one of the funny things I, I like to be funny in my blog too. <laughs> <laughs> um, I like to be honest and funny and truthful where it's all important because um, I don't think we should have this, this fake facade. And I think it's important to say when we're feeling bad and when mm-hmm. we're feeling like something is ridiculous and yep. um, all of that. And, and so I actually, I, I live in a very rural town. Um, it's actually highly uh, LDS, Latter-day Saints or Mormon. Mm-hmm. Um, yep. And, and I am not. And so I'm actually, I, I always think of myself as the white girl minority because um, I don't look like the minority, but I, am, I very much feel like a minority in our town. And so some of um, the blog even talks about that and how um, the first time I took my kids to the pool, I was literally only person in a toothpiece swimsuit <laughs> and how that felt. And like, that felt really, that felt really uncomfortable. Like I never, ever felt uncomfortable in Chicago in a two-piece swimsuit. And, and in Chicago, you would have said that I had a lot of, uh, a lot of swimsuit on, even in two pieces. It's just, you know, one of these like mom swimsuits, you got mm-hmm. boy shorts and full coverage so that the kids don't pull anything down. Right. Yep. Yep. <laughs> and walking into, um, walking into my, my small neighborhood pool, I was just instantly aware that I was different. And so I talk a lot about in my blog, feeling different and then feeling comfortable with yourself and being confident with who you are, even when you might look different or do different choices than what society is doing or the society around you. Well, I have no more questions because, and you pretty much carried this whole podcast. So thank you for, (laughs) (laughs) I am still trying to figure out how to do this. Well, you know, I'd like to, I listen to a lot of podcasts, so I would like to, you know, grow in that area. Uh, I'm definitely no Joe Rogan or anybody <laughs> else that does a professional podcast, but yeah. thank you for taking time out of your Sunday to talk to me, to talk to the few listeners that I have. Hopefully someone uh, gets something out of it. Um, that's always my prayer is that if one person can, yeah. can listen and, and learn and overcome something from just listening to this little podcast of mine, I, then that's all worth it. Um, I'll still do it no matter what. Um, where can people find you? Where can people read your blog, get your social media, stuff like yeah. that? You can find me on uh, Instagram and Facebook, both at Living a Goody Life. Goody is G O O D E. And you can find me at livingagoodylife.org. And if you're looking for my Finding Faith series, um, that's in the menu there. And you can hear all about my very honest faith struggle. And just know that if you're out there and you're having a faith struggle and you think you're all alone, I promise you, you are not alone. You are not the only person who has walked that path. And um, you are always welcome to reach out to me directly in a DM or in an email. And I'd be happy to connect with you. Awesome. Thanks so much, Erica, for coming on. Hope you have a great uh, rest of Palm Sunday and happy Easter to you next week. Thank you so much. Thank you. Bye. Okay.